Hi guys, welcome to another SLTV Roundtable podcast. We are here once again um, with some usual people and a special guest, which we're not allowed to call a special guest, so we'll call him a substitute because he doesn't feel that important. So we'll get to that guy. Um, I am, as always, Tybo, doing what I do. Um, I'm going to throw it around the table so you can know who's here, and then I will tell you the topic we are talking about. Adam, how are you? Um, I'm fine, you know, nothing's changed, nothing much. Um, just getting ready to talk something a little bit different today. Uh, Matt, over to you. Uh, yeah, I'm Matt. I am the average substitute for uh, for the usual crew who are on here today. Um, I like to think, of, basically, if to put it in a football reference, I'm like a really subpar Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for Man United in the 90s. That's the way I, I best describe myself. I don't know what that reference means. I'm going to throw it out there. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, yeah, I I'm not a, I'm not good with football. But there you go. Um, yeah, I am. Uh, I am as always, Tybo. I am fine. Nothing new. Nothing crazy. This week, I have been listening to a lot of social media marketing podcasts. Um, and my Twitter kind of blew up a little bit when I tweeted somebody who does the podcast. Because I listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts, obviously, but then doing this, uh, algorithms and stuff interest me. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I've been doing a lot of that to, to to grow where we are and what we're doing as SLTD. So, news of that coming soon. Right, so today, as Adam said, we're going to talk something a little bit different to what we usually do, but hopefully it'll be just as entertaining. So... The idea was, I did tweet this out yesterday, and the idea is, with the, how could I put it, the real-life events of certain things happening in wrestlers' lives, we're going to talk about the idea of, is it good or is it bad when you twist the real-life situation into something that resembles a storyline? So the example, obviously, would be, Lacey Evans is pregnant in real life. That's fine. But then they've twisted her story into, oh, Ric Flair's the dad. There you go. So it's like, mm, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Is this is this one of them situations where is WWE thinking we're a little bit stupid and we don't know what's going on? Or is it just what they do? So... We're going to touch on some storylines, and we've all got a few that we've kind of listed. I'm assuming there will be some crossover. I don't know how far back the, the other two have gone, but I have gone way far back, I'll be honest. Um, I've gone in the Wayback Machine and, and, and had a, a check-out of some old-school stuff. So this is what we're going with. I think as well, it's not just going to be, obviously, Lacey's pregnant. Let's talk about that. Uh, recently, I think it was the, yeah, it was this week on um, on NXT. Carl Riley was stretched off at the end of the show, and there was a lot of online concern or buzz whether it was he had a seizure or if it was real or if it was awake or all that stuff. Were were kind of kind of die, uh, what's the word dissect uh, to see if it's a good thing or a bad thing to. Th- throw these things into a storyline and, as I say, twist them into some sort of 
WWE Universe situation. So, as a as a general, it's happening in their real life, but we're going to turn it into a storyline. What are your thoughts on that whole concept, Matt? Okay, so, um, WWE have always got an element of ridiculousness to them. Okay, and in terms of some of the some of their storylines, right? The late the current Lacey Evans Ric Flair storyline is akin to me of the Mark Henry storyline when um oh what god what's her name? May Young. May Young. May Young yeah. Thank you. When May Young gave birth to a hand, right? <laughs> it is it's ridiculous and it's pompous and for me perfect for Ric Flair because that's what Ric Flair is, right? He is pompous. He is. He is out there. He is, you know what I mean? Like, so I have no problems at all with that. The, for me, them using the fact that Lacey Evans is pregnant is literally just, it's just a fun little excuse to do a mad little storyline. And that is, you know, throughout, like I said, like I said before, throughout WWE's history, they've always done that with, with, with having weird storylines. The thing I love about when WWE uses real life things is the thing we love most about WWE and about wrestling generally is when we can believe something and when we believe in a storyline that, that's happening. So there was, a, there was a meme that went around after the last NXT TakeOver, which said, which basically, it was like an adult in tears. Because, and it, the point being was that you've watched wrestling for all your life and yet you still get upset when the Undisputed Era kicked, uh, beat the crap out of Kyle O'Reilly. Like, and the fact that you did that means that you love professional wrestling, right? Because you believe in the stories. I always find the storylines that fascinate me the most are the ones where I think, not necessarily if there is or isn't, but I think there is an element of truth behind them. So what I've got for you today, and I'll obviously wait till we get through them, are four examples of some of the massive storylines, some of them in specific events, of times when the truth that, that where some underlying truth was there, which made that storyline extra spicy for me. Um, an example I'm not going to talk about, but but is but is an example of where we're not sure what's true and what's not. Is and apologies in advance if you guys have already mentioned this. Is the whole Daniel Bryan movement and WrestleMania from WrestleMania building up to WrestleMania 30, right? Our our fan truth was. He's never given a chance. He never. He's. He is. Um, he's. He always gets pushed aside. We like this guy, and you guys are treating him like crap. Now, that, as far as I'm aware, that's what I felt like at the time. But I have. I, I'm. I would be not surprised if there was ever an ever so slight element of truth that at first, but then it got caught on and and, and was then built into the storyline to the point where it was a complete work of fiction by the end, and. I don't mind that. That's okay, um, because there was still a little, there was still a little um, nugget of truth to start it with. So yeah, I love when things get blurry. I love when things get a little bit real. You know, there's a reason why the Montreal screw job is is the most talked about storyline mm. moment in wrestling history, and to this day, we still don't know how much of it's true or not. That's a way. It's a total way. Complete way. Complete work of fiction. Is it? Brett knew. Brett definitely knew. But this is the point. The point is, 
Because that happened, what, 20, 30 years ago? Uh, yeah, something like that. 25, was it? Yeah, and, and, and there, are, there are grown adults who are still going, I don't know. And that's <laughs> what I love about it. So yeah, that, that, that's, that's, my, that's my little two cents before we get onto the actual um, examples. Okay. Adam, what, what are your overall thoughts on, on the idea of this? It depends how it's used. I think as soon as like I woke up on Tuesday morning and I read that Lacey Evans is pregnant and Rick Flair is the dad and that's what they're doing on Raw, I was just like, oh, that's ridiculous, isn't it? And then it, it really then changed throughout the day because then you read that actually she is pregnant. And incidentally, congratulations to Lacey and the family and all that kind of stuff for the real life stuff. But I think for us fans, we don't need that. But I think as well, like they never would have done that with Becky Lynch, but is it just because it's Lacey Evans? And is it just because that was the storyline that she was in and, you know, they're still for whatever reason wanting to kind of pursue it. To come on to Kyle O'Reilly for a second, um, the one thing I don't know if you guys are aware of this, Kyle O'Reilly is type 1 diabetic. And he, uh, very similar to my wife, who is type 1 diabetic. And the whole thing of the seizure has unnerved me a little bit because, and I'm, you know, if it's legitimate, that's absolutely fine. And that is more power to maybe why I'm concerned about it and him and it happening. If it's not, it's a little bit of a cheap blow, but again, it's only me that sees it as a cheap blow because I have been in a situation before where I've woken up and my wife has fallen out of bed because she's having a diabetic seizure because her sugars have gone down and that it's a really serious thing. And then she's in hospital and she's on a drip for 48 hours. And like that, as soon as I found out, like, you know, Kyle O'Reilly's had a seizure, that's where my mind goes to. And actually if it's legitimate and it's something to do with that and it's under control and all that kind of stuff, then that is a totally different thing. If they've purposely used it in a storyline, that's when taste comes into it a little bit. And I think some of the ones that I've written down, some are to do with, like Matt mentioned, you've got these, this little kind of droplets of real life things getting in, in there every now and again. But I think some of mine come down to taste as well. Like is, is taste and decency even a thing in wrestling, not just WWE in wrestling, if you want to just get a good storyline. And when I say not just WWE, I think more to things like the whole AJ Styles, Dixie Carter storyline that happened in um, TNA, where it was all to do with whether AJ was like Dixie's baby daddy and stuff like that. And again, I think that was maybe in poor taste. Um, but we'll get into, you know, these specifics in just a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned taste because I, I didn't think we'd, we'd touch on this quite so quick. Um but I have a I have a follow-up question, right? So you've both mentioned mm, this could be in poor taste or that could be in poor taste or whatever it may be, which is fine. And I totally understand where you're coming from. And I, to a point, completely agree. But then there's the other side of me that says, if this was a, a series or on, on TV, on a big network and... Whatever show you want to watch, it doesn't matter. Like, it can be a show about anything or with any kind of idea behind it. And an actor got attacked and had a diabetic seizure in that show. Would you think that was poor taste? No. Is it just because it's wrestling and you think, oh, you don't need to do that? Do you know what I mean? So does that make sense yeah. where you're, like, that actor isn't diabetic? That actor 
isn't having a seizure, but it's looked at differently. It doesn't matter if that show is the biggest thing on telly or it's a, a, like a soap in the UK. Yeah. On the one it, hand... Is it sorry. different? Well, yeah, that's what the am saying. Is it, do, is it different because it's in wrestling or not? So on the one hand, wrestling is a soap, right? It's... Um, if I've, if I've ever had to explain to colleagues about why I watch pro wrestling and I say, well, do you watch Coronation Street? And they go, yeah. And I go, well, that's the same. The difference is my, it's just, the difference is the characters I wear just wear spandex. That's literally, yeah. right? Um, so on the one hand, it's, it's, there, is, there is no difference at all. The problem is, is Coronation Street or soaps or dramas do not try and suggest that they're real. WWE and professional wrestling purports to be real and constantly will drop nuggets of truth and blend those and blend bits of reality with things that are not true. So, which means, you know, it's, it's very unlikely ever in the soap that a, an actor is going to get injured doing what they do and have to miss a load of storylines, right? Mm, that happens yeah. all the time, but that happens all the time in wrestling. So that so it's constantly on this bridge between truth and fiction. So that means it does have to, and I can understand Adam's point. If you're a, because it's on that bridge, it has to sometimes maybe be a little bit more sensitive to people's um, opinions and experiences when they use something like a seizure in a storyline mm. but i will always come back down to it's a work of fiction yeah primarily like so adam do you like do you agree is this because obviously you're closer to it than than us two we, you, that mm. makes m- more sense to put it that way and you've obviously seen this and you've seen the real life aspect of it so if do you think because it's wrestling it's like you should do better or is it is it because, as Matt said, you're on that fringe of we're saying it's real, but you know it's not real, but we're saying it's real. So is it real? Does that make sense? So yeah, it's it's a weird one because I think there's there's almost like three points that I want to make here. So one of them is I think I take issue with it because I know that Kyle is type one diabetic, and they're going down that route and saying that that's because this is attributed to this and that in, in essence the seizure was fake but mm. they're saying that the reason for it was his diabetes which they've not just fundamentally they've not said that at all but I'm wondering if maybe that had something to do with it that's then where I take issue with it you you kind of your point on like soap operas and like you know if a tv show did it I think the point there is if a soap opera was to do it and if a soap opera was to do something where like someone gets mugged in an alleyway and then they have a diabetic seizure because that's what they suffer from. They will do that thing at the end where they say, if you have any issues, you can call this number. We're trying to raise awareness of this point. We've worked with all these different charities that do it. Wrestling don't do that. Wrestling tends to just go, oh, you remember when like, for instance, Jeff Hardy is the one that comes up an awful lot with this kind of stuff of like, we know full well that Jeff Hardy's substance abuse and like his issues with that have been an issue for him for an extremely long amount of time, going all the way back to him and CM Punk, 
where, you know, Punk would mention it left, right and centre. But again, it made sense for them in that storyline because Punk is straight edge and obviously Jeff isn't. So obviously he's going to use that. But then at the same time, you go to the more recent one where Jeff Hardy can't remember anything. He's being handcuffed because he's inebriated and Elias is being put on a stretcher and put onto an ambulance. And Jeff is saying to him, oh, Elias, what's happened? What's happened? What's happened? And they were almost going down the route of, is someone framing him? And I think it ended up being Seamus, like framing him and using his substance abuse. That's where they're blurring the line a little bit because they're not saying at the end of the program, if you have issues with substance abuse, you can call this number, you can go here. They're going, we know that's an issue and we know that fans recognise that that's an issue, so we're going to use it. In the same way that, like, you know, and these aren't necessarily ones that I've written down, but Punk pouring the ashes on Undertaker after Paul Burra died, you know, that's a taste thing. That is, we all know Paul Burra has just died. We know that they have a strong relationship, Burra and Taker, and you've done that because you get trying to get a reaction out of something. And you're not doing it in, an, in a sense where a TV show might raise awareness of a specific thing. Um, and again, like, you know, again, just a similar one. Um, Orton saying to Mysterio in 2006, I don't know why you're looking up in heaven because Eddie's down there in hell and he'd only been dead five months, you know? And it's yeah. like, where's the line there? Didn't Batista just say something as well? Yeah. Batista, when he turned to you, he yeah. was like, yeah, he's, he's dead. Like, Eddie's dead. Like, just yeah. a matter of fact. So, so but given that the, the, those, those examples you raised then provoked an incredible reaction and isn't that isn't that what wrestling's all about yeah yeah definitely but i think there's there's two sides of it because as i think this is what we're going to keep getting into is that there's the side of that's a disgusting promotional tactic. And I think that's the exact wording that like Meltzer uses on his award that he gives out on like most (laughs) disgusting promotional tactic. Um, But I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think there's ever been a point where someone's gone, that could have been in really bad taste, but actually they did it really well. Or, oh, is it too soon for that? But actually it makes sense that they're doing it. Because I don't think anyone ever has that reaction to it. I think again, with the Art and Ray thing, it was, as he actually just said that, why why are they using yeah. Eddie's death as a storyline? You know, I don't think there's ever been something that has been in bad taste, and someone's gone, yeah, I kind of agree with that. Yeah, there is one there is one thing to be said with those points, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in all of those examples, the bad guys got their comeuppance at some point yeah. when the storylines story ended with the bad guys losing. You, there's no point in critiquing something that is active because it hasn't ended yet. The story hasn't ended. But if we if we look but if you look back at those sort of stories where they have brought in those elements of truth, like the Randy Orton thing and um, uh, the uh, the previous one is I can't remember what it was. Um, but they the bad guys lost in the end. And that's where you get the moral of the story. The moral of the story is you behave like a dick, you're going to lose your match at WrestleMania or whatever pay per view. Yeah, it's a silly moral, you know. <laughs> no, but, I mean, because they lose, the other, will eventually always lose. The other one that I mentioned was the Punk Hardy thing, yes. Whereas actually, Punk, Punk won that rivalry because Hardy was gone after that. Yeah. So, but I think as well, Matt, I think does that, does that maybe strike more of a positive message? 
even though Hardy's the face and Punk is the heel, that the Punk, Punk wins the rivalry as the heel, but ultimately it's the person who does drugs and has substance abuse that doesn't quite come out on top. You know, is but again, have WWE ever thought that that's the thing that they're trying to achieve? Yeah. I don't know. You know, I again, think the the difference with a lot of these, and you mentioned the um, Jeff Hardy and Sheamus thing, that rivalry where he was, I, I didn't know what was going on, and I think that was a lot of Jeff Hardy's sort of redemption story. If mm-hmm. I read into a lot of that, that he's done these things and he got a chance to say on live TV every single week, I know I've got these demons. I know this is something I struggle with. And whether you see it or you don't, or they promote it or whatever it may be, I think that was handled quite well. Like the whole story. And then towards the end when he sort of, in my head, this may just be me, I don't know, but he used his demon to defeat Seamus, when he, he his face went all grey and he his eyes went white and that, and he did the swanton in the bar, and then he changed back to normal. All that stuff, I think, that wasn't handled badly. I think the reaction was right at the start when they were like, "Oh, we're doing this now," and I think doing that and like sort of ending it and having a clear end point where it's like this is done now. Like that was my past. I've dealt with it. I know I have this substance abuse in my nature and it's something that I fight with every day and all all the things he said. I think that one was handled quite well, but then there's been so many before that that haven't. So you sort of, as soon as you see a storyline like that, you're like, oh, Jesus, like this again. So you automatically put a bad taste in your mouth because you know what they've done in the past. And I think... Especially with like a, a death scenario, to use that in a storyline is an interesting thing to. It's a, it's an interesting line to cross, I think, and it can be done in numerous different ways because this happens a few times. Because I've wrote down a few times where it's happened where, um, obviously the um the punk and Undertaker using Paul Bearer, um and. Obviously, Eddie, that would make sense. And even, I don't know if anyone even remembers this, but the Hardy Boys had a few a few, a few years ago. Well, quite a few years ago, actually. And it was right after Jeff's house burnt down mm-hmm. and his dog died. And they basically played it like Matt killed his dog yeah. by burning his house down. Yeah, I totally forgot that was a thing um, until I was kind of researching. And... This is the this is the question I want to ask. So, although you think, oh, this is such bad taste, or this isn't done right, or whatever it is, do you think that Eddie, being the the, the type of guy he is, and Paul Bearer being the type of guy that he is, and being in the business for that long, do you think if they had the option, they'd be like, shit, yeah, use use me, like use me to get you over, use me to get heat. And I think, well, that's my point because it's like I remember. I think it was Chavo was talking, um, and it was like the the day that Eddie died, and Vince and Pat Patterson went to him and was like, "Should we go ahead with this SmackDown? It's a it's entirely up to you." And Chavo was like, "Of course, because Eddie would not want the show not to go on." 
that's not how Eddie worked. So all these people who were outraged and on the internet or on Twitter or Facebook or whatever saying, oh my God, this is disgraceful, oh my God. In actual fact, the person who it's about would probably get a kick out of being used in that way. So does that make it better or worse that it makes there's it such an outrage? It makes it better for me. It makes me more yeah. comfortable with it. Yeah. Paul yeah, Bearer can... would have would have been, you know, up in up, up in the sky would have been going, oh yeah. <laughs> the idea of his ashes being poured over the Undertaker because he because the you know the the performer would have would have said that's perfect, that's brilliant, that's going to get loads of people to get attention on it. It's going to bring, it's going to make it into a special match. Do it, absolutely brilliant. Because it's not no ego. It's not about me. It's about what 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 we actually get from the fans. Yeah, I I have to agree. I think Adam, what do you, what do you think? No, I do. I agree. I, I like. I just think every wrestler who is worth their salt has this opinion that you do anything for the show and you do anything to keep the show going and that if you can get for, you know, lack of a better term heat from something, then you'll do it. And I think especially someone like Eddie, yeah. Like, you know, if someone, I'm sure if someone had the conversation with him before he died and said, Oh, after you die, would you mind if we say that you're dead (laughs) on TV? You'd go, well, no, it's fine. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think because I'm just looking at my list of the ones that we're going to talk about, and I feel like we've started off pretty heavy here. Yes, my and examples I, are pretty light. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it's just an interesting like this is the the point I want no, to talk about. Like, yeah. it's really interesting. Like, obviously, you can talk about storylines, but then if you're going to get into it, I suppose as three fans, it's where the where the fans that are going to react to it. Where the reason they put it on the telly is for people like us. So this is what I'm talking about, is that it's like it's quite interesting to me, this side of it. Although it does seem a little bit heavy, more so than being like, oh, this storyline happens and this storyline happens. Like, the idea of where does it fall in your moral compass of is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? And I think that's what makes this whole subject quite interesting because I think... If we put it out to say, what do you think of Lacey Evans being pregnant and Flair being the dad? That's a completely different question. It's just, well, no, that's ridiculous, obviously. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. if we're going to, I think if we're going to do it, it's 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 more interesting to talk about the the deeper aspect of it than, oh, that was a good storyline, or that was a bad storyline. Obviously, we're going to get to that, and that yeah. makes more sense. But, but just, to, just to go back to Lacey Evans' thing, and again, this point I made earlier, wrestling needs a variety of storylines. If every single storyline was about someone who had died, bloody hell, that'd be hard. <laughs> I wouldn't watch yeah. it, right? Yeah. It's, you know, but for every 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 now and again, when they will do that and involve someone who truly died, you've then got, oh, the 24-7 championship's going on. Oh, my God, Gronk's just become 24-7 champion. Yeah, you know, yeah. So actually, you know, there are... You know, we, we we focus a lot on the sort of the, the really heavy storylines where they've used yeah. it, but they, they are, I would argue, they are few and far between. Well, if yeah, they because were constantly there, then I think there'd be a problem. It's gonna, it's very rare in a situation or in a wrestling company or whatever it may be that you get somebody who obviously is an active wrestler and something happens to them that is drastic. Obviously, you've got the most recent being, um. 
I was going to say Luke Harper, but that it's probably Lee, obviously. Uh, so that that show that they did for him was to highlight him, which was a good thing. They didn't use they didn't use his death to further a storyline in the sense of we've got a good guy and a bad guy. But I think it was good what they did, but then at the same time, they could revisit something where the Dark Order started to fall apart and somebody turns heel and they mention Brody Lee like he wasn't he wasn't all that or he wasn't this or he's gone. Why are you still doing this? Like that's that to me isn't a bad thing because it's as you say, it's using real life. Do you know what I mean? Um but yeah, I think there's a lot of storylines that are a lot different. I have me and my brother have talked about this because we used to watch wrestling together quite a lot. And I've said if we were ever in a match together, I would use all kinds of stuff from our like when we were kids and like stupid things that you've done. And he was like, No, that's terrible. I wouldn't do that. And I was like, No, I would, because that's what makes it believable. That's what makes it that's what makes a storyline and adds meat to the bone, if you like. So that's what I think anyway. But as I say, they've been using these things quite a lot. The the last sort of question I had on this, because obviously we're going to move a little bit lighter, but do you think there should be a clear difference between the online character that they play and their actual real life? Because Lacey Evans, I don't know her real name, Sorry, I did mean to to look this up. It may be Lacey Evans, I don't know. But Lacey Evans is pregnant with Ric Flair's dad, uh, with Ric Flair's baby, so that's fine. But it's Ric Flair isn't Ric Flair. That's not his real name. That's not who he is. It's not real. So that character can be one thing and the real person can be something else. Right, I'm going <laughs> to bring something in here that you probably didn't expect to hear on a wrestling podcast. Um, but I don't know if you're familiar with this and I can't look at this person in the same way since my wife told me a couple of years ago, Lorraine Kelly of all people was <laughs> taken to court yeah. because she owed millions in tax and the loophole that she found in the legal system is that she plays a character on screen and that the person who presents Lorraine every morning isn't the real Lorraine Kelly and because she then portrays it's, a character it's a persona that was the yeah, she then doesn't have to pay all this tax back. So she got off and she didn't have to pay it. So now every single time, like in the morning, where like my wife will watch GMB and then into Lorraine, I look at it and I just think, I'm actually now seeing this as a woman who is pretending to be nice and is pretending yeah. to like be sweet and innocent and all that kind of stuff. And actually <laughs> she isn't that person. And I think in terms of like your question for online and stuff, I think, the, the wrestling industry as a whole and all of these companies and things like that, especially AEW, are definitely privy to the fact that we all know characters are characters, the different people in real life, they can do different things in real life. Like the one thing that AEW did this week, which made me kind of just do a double take, is that they've been doing this thing on social media where they've been saying, oh, this is these this wrestler's top five video games. And they did Abaddon this week. And I thought Abaddon isn't supposed to be like someone that I see sitting down at a PS4, right? But they know that we see outside of that. And actually, yeah. for the time that like Dynamite or Raw or SmackDown's on, they can be a character. But then on Twitter, yeah, I'll go and talk to the real, you know, 
Claudio Castanoli and see what he's tweeting or, yeah. you know, um, Colby Lopez and see what he's doing, not Cesaro and Seth Rollins. But I think some people tend to get caught up in that and stay in character. And I actually don't think you need that anymore at all. Yeah. Well, the reason I mention this, because um, I don't know if you've seen, there's a documentary on Netflix called Don't Speak, I think it's called, or Nobody Speaks, something like that. And it's about, part of it's about um, Hull Hogan's trial with say with um, the website that like leaked all kinds of stuff about oh, yeah. him being racist and his, his sex tape and all stuff like that. Anyway, that's a side note. But he sat in court and on this video that was shown and whatever else, he basically said, I do apologize for this bit, but he basically said, like Hull Hogan, he was like, you were saying about your 10 inch penis. And he was like, yeah, Hull Hogan has got a 10 inch penis, but Terry Belair hasn't. I wish it did. So it's like that guy who I play, Hull Hogan. Yeah, man, Hull Hogan's got a 10 inch penis and that sounds. And like, yeah, this character that I play, he's got all these things and he can get all the women and he can do all that stuff. But terrible air, he's, he hasn't got that. No, that's that's a different person. And he had to go into court and talk about that. That's why I mentioned it, because it's like the idea of them being two separate people, but then they get judged by what they do on telly as their character. Nobody else would get that. Like, nobody thinks Christian Bale's Batman. Like, that. nobody thinks that's a thing. No one's like, oh, I know he's acting in films and that, but he's also a vigilante. Like, that's, that's not a thing. That's because Christian Bale doesn't then go on Twitter and pretend to be Batman. <laughs> okay, that does make sense. <laughs> Michael Keaton does. Does that count? <laughs> Michael Keaton's so- convinced he's Batman. So the social media thing is really interesting because I can see both sides of it. On the on the one side, I totally understand why wrestlers would would continue that um, engagement with with an audience and use it as a tool to propel a story forward. And I think that makes sense. On the other hand, you've got wrestlers like um, Jordan Grace over at Impact, who has deliberately changed her Twitter profile uh, to her real name, Trisha, Trisha Parker. And she, uh, she made a conscious decision to make her social media be separate from her character that she plays when she's wrestling. So when you're following her on Twitter, you're following Trisha Parker, who plays Jordan Grace on Impact Wrestling. And I think that's, and, you know, that's, that's entirely up to her. And I think that makes sense. And I quite like that. I find it quite refreshing. Mm. Um, there are, and then on the flip side, there are people who will dabble, who will, who will tweet as themselves you know, talking about things that are personal to them and matter to them and are important to them. And then we'll also then say, by the way, so-and-so's a douchebag. Can't wait to beat him up at Raw. You know what I mean? So you get, so you, you, you can kind of, I think with social media, there is a, at the moment, there's no, there is a case of having your cake and eating it um, with being able to do both. And I don't think the answer is to say for definite that one way is the right answer and the other way is the wrong answer. You know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I love, I agree because I love MJF's tweets and I don't <laughs> want them to stop. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And I think that is, it is important to have like the, the difference in, in the two. And a lot of WWE wrestlers are using the real names as the actual name. And then obviously the, the at name is their. Um, the WWE like name and um, I have noticed that 
not so long ago when Reigns was feuding with uh, Jay. He sent out a video of him on a treadmill and was like, this is what I do. Like, I'm always at this level. And the video was like a minute long and it got so much buzz about their match together that it was... If WWE or any promotion, I say this all the time, any promotion use that in that way to create buzz on a day that the show isn't happening, that's a good thing. That's a really, really good thing. And you, everybody should be doing that. Everybody should be hyping their match and their rivalry and their storyline and all that stuff. But there is the flip side where it's like, if you're doing that, you then can't say, oh, I'm just a character. Like, I, I don't play that guy. I don't have the same opinions or whatever it may be. Or it's it's a hard line to cross, I think. I, and, um, it, sorry, Tag, you finish. I've just... Yeah, no, I think that's all I'm saying. It's that it's it's incessant that if you didn't watch them on on TV and you just seen them on Twitter, it would be hard to follow what the hell is going on. To be like, why are you hyping up this thing that it doesn't make sense? But go on, what would you say? Well, I've 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 thought of a bit of a segue because it links to something that I've written down. All right, of we're thinking about how real life impacts storylines. Someone who used social media and kind of created a buzz and then eventually, you know, influenced a decision last year was Drake Maverick, who after he got fired, he did a video. I mean, admittedly, it was a bit of a cringy video of him getting quite upset and emotional and things like that. But then that then spurred him on to be, you know, in the Cruiserweight Championship tournament as a fired employee at that point and only actually get a contract from Triple H at the end of an NXT episode where he'd lost in the tournament and has now remained signed. Now, there was a lot of speculation at the time as to whether or not it was all just a work. Was he actually released? Was he somebody who was on the list? Or was he somebody who they just thought, actually, because we've used him as 205 GM for a while and we want to switch him to an active wrestler, is this the way to go about it? That this is the way that we can kind of switch the role. And again, I think if you're talking taste and things like that, if he wasn't on the list to be released and you did this storyline with him, that is in poor taste at the time where you've released everybody. If he was, fair play to him for turning the tide with the way that he did it. And I don't know which where I stand on. I'm, I'm assuming surely he would have been on the list because surely, again, WWE aren't going to say we're going to release Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, Gallows and Anderson, all these people, Drake Maverick and EC3, but Drake Maverick is the one who ends up getting his job back. But I don't know. I feel like Matt's got a different side on that coin. <laughs> so I've got that down as one of my one of my examples of when they've used, when the truth has been entered into a storyline. Now, I could end up being wrong and have egg on my face, but as far as I'm concerned, he was fired. Yeah. He actually was. And the online reaction to him being fired led into him having a couple of runs in the championship in the championship tournament. And let's face it, for a lot of people, making people actually give a crap about that tournament in NXT, mm-hmm. because this guy's just been fired. And as a as a final punch to the gut, by the way, you've got you're in this tournament and you're probably going to lose. And actually, he, to his advantage made the social media video, which I don't agree was cringy. I think it was actually quite half out, but that's a personal opinion. <laughs> and um, 
and I think and 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 it ended up being where they lit where he he made it impossible for WWE to fire him because he'd had this swathe of public support. Um, yeah, I now if that is a massive work, then fine, but I don't think it was. I think there was too much truth in there and too much of WWE doing what they do best, which is react to things on the spot to then make it into something that happened, which is based a lot on truth. Another slight segue for the for another one that I've written down, WWE reacting to something on the spot. Please sign Cedric at the end of Alexander Ibushi in the Cruiserweight Classic. Yeah. yeah. yeah? Straight yeah. out. Yeah, Triple H is going, yeah, all right then. Yeah, all right yeah. then, we'll do that. Yeah. Yep. I think um, I think everything's a work. I'll be honest with you. I <laughs> I really do. I like I think especially this is gonna say right. We've done a lot of these episodes, I would say, and I keep going back to me, my love for Triple H. I think when Triple H is involved, it's always a friggin' work because he's just an absolute genius. I think he was always gonna sign Cedric Alexander. There was no no debating that he was he probably had already signed Alexander, but when the crowd chanted, I think Triple H was like, Well, I'm gonna go out there and be like, Yeah, you use have done this. This is what you have done. Well done, guys. Like, I'm only gonna do this because because this this is what you want. Thanks, guys. Thanks for bringing this to my attention. When he's probably actually already signed the contract. Yeah. The, the Drake Maverick thing, I, I, I don't know. I think. I think because he was on the main roster, I don't think they're that intelligent or they pay that much attention to be like, this should be a way. But I think Triple H probably, in my head anyway, probably went to Vince and was like, I'm going to sign to NXT. Because he wasn't on NXT, if you remember. He wasn't. He was on the main roster, if you like. So I think that side of it, it's one of them where you're like, I think he was released and then Triple H was like, this is genius. This is a ready-made story. And if we don't do this... It would have all been true up until literally the moment he released that video. And then yeah. the reaction came up. And that's when WWE got their hands on it and went, well, actually, hold up, yeah. hold off on yeah, that. Yeah. Let's do something with this. And then, yeah. then, you know what I mean? But it still started with that true thing, which is him being handed his notice. Yeah, definitely. Because I do, I do wonder as well. Sorry, Ty. I do wonder as well if that's even a tester point of seeing WWE going. Well, let's see who's bothered that they lost the job. Exactly. Because yeah. how many of them did? Think about it. Yeah. So like, because like Ryder, who made his United States title run and pretty much career in WWE off YouTube videos. Well, this is what go, I was going to mention. Yeah. I'm going to go and do something like this. You know, Maverick was the only one who did. Yeah, like I, I think that's the thing. I think when people say like WWE don't listen to fans and stuff like that, I think the the whole thing with Ryder he created his own buzz, so they had to do something. I think the same with to a point, Daniel Bryan's yes movement was mm. kind of an accident in the not an accident. It was he was in the right place at the right time. All that stuff was was heading towards Punk, Punk winning the title. And because Punk left, they needed to fill that void. And I don't think they ever imagined Yeslemania to be a thing. I don't think that that was ever on the cards. I don't think anything like that was was planned out. But I think 
the, he took that ball and ran with it and it created something special because of the type of person and the type of wrestler that he is. I don't think that was necessarily the plan, but to really listen to what was going on and did something where it was like, okay, this is happening, so we'll build on it. The same, as I say, with Zack Ryder winning the US title. That was purely off the basis that he created his own buzz. So it was beneficial for them to put him in a prominent spot because all this thing filtered back to merch or money or ticket sales or whatever it may be. So they were like, he's built this himself, but we're going to cash in on it. That's the way it works. So I think things like that are good. Like if you're, if you want to stand up and, and have your, have your say and do your thing, that's a good thing. I think there's a lack of that in the, in the locker room at the minute. I know John Cena said this in the past where he's like, you've got to like stand up and, say your truth, like if you don't agree with something. And a lot of people are like, well, you can say that because you're you're John Cena. Like, but if you're a rookie, it's like, but if that's not it at the end of the day, WWE is just somewhere to wrestle. It just happens to be the biggest somewhere to wrestle. That's it. Like a lot of people, especially Cody, has proved that you can you can make a living from not being in WWE. Mm-hmm. Granted he was there first. And he made his name there and people knew who he was. But he made more money before AEW was a thing on the indies, being Cody Rhodes and bouncing around everywhere. I think uh, Ryder's doing the same now. We won't sign a long-term contract with anybody because he's he wants to go about and do things. Same with EC3. He wants to kind of be everywhere. Um, so I think in that sense, if you're willing to go outside of the box and create something for yourself to a degree I've got to listen because the, it, eventually it will in their head if it's if it's big enough it'll make money and it'll mm. put people in the seats and that's all they want at the end of the day so I think yeah it's these two sides of it where obviously we started a bit heavy as you said and now like these the other side where it's like you can do something and build something that is quite impressive on your own and that's the realism of the story. Like, like I've got Punk's pipe bomb as yeah. as a an aspect of realism, and that was if you watch his documentary and you believe what he says, he was like he got told to go out and air his grievances, so he did, and it became essentially the most important and most well known promo ever. Mm. Like, I don't know anybody like these people who don't watch wrestling and know about the pipe bomb. These people who know what happened because it was so out of the character of WWE I would say and him being able to do that made him an even bigger star made him this thing that was he says what he wants and does what he wants that he's still living that now that's still sort of his gimmick even though he's not in a wrestling company that's still his gimmick to be like I say what I want and do what I want don't give a shit and it comes from that, from WWE allowing them to do that. And the idea of perception is reality. And that's an unfortunate fact of wrestling, that is perception is reality. So I think, yeah, I think it's hard to say you're one thing or the other when, as I say, perception is reality. That's... yeah. That's a, like it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because I remember tweeting out ages ago, like um, I think John Moxley 
fought um, Sean Spears on AEW like a year ago. And I was like, this match is so much better than Dean Ambrose versus, versus Ty Dillinger. Because although it's the same people, mm. perception is reality, isn't it? So it's yeah. it's one of them where if you are a jobber in one company, you're, oh, he's not that good. Oh, he's, he's this and he's that. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. So, but anyway, we've slightly like, I've rolled on and that's a bit of a rant there. Um, what are the like, um, what other things have you got written down? What storylines have you got? Have you mentioned that you think are good or bad with the blurred lines? Yeah, sorry, I didn't give a name. Sorry. <laughs> go ahead, Matt. Right. Sorry. <laughs> I've, I've got two, and they're both. Um, one's, a, one's a moment which led to what I believe was only one match. The other is an entire pay-per-view. So, my first one I want to talk about is Miz and Daniel Bryan. So, back in 2017, I think it was, or maybe even 2016, The Miz cut a promo on Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack. Once again, mentioning Talking Smack, my favourite okay. programme on WWE, frankly. And it was overwhelmingly full of lots of truths. And it was not so much of an attack on Daniel Bryan, it was more of a defence on The Miz. Um, there had been a bubbling under the surface about the Miz and Daniel Bryan not getting on. Daniel Bryan particularly not really liking the Miz. The Miz was a bit like, well, I don't care. Look, you're injured. You're off, you're off now. Look, I'm still around. I'm still here. I don't get injured. That's, you know, you, you call my wrestling style boring. Well, I'm here, dude. And I've got, I've had championships and, you know, all that kind of thing. And it led to Daniel Bryan having to walk off. Now, as much as that may have been a work, which I, th- I think there's an element of it being a work, there is so much. There was so much raw truth in that that made it compelling to watch. Which then eventually, when Daniel Bryan did come back, it led to them having a match at SummerSlam 2018, which for me was the match I have not been. That was the match that year that there was. The, I was most excited to watch because it essentially had at the very least two years of build for it. I think. They should have done more with it than just have that one match. But at the same time, it's nice that it just now exists as its own little thing, um, which you can go back and watch. So, yeah, that's my first one. That's a small one. My second one is probably a point when when the truth was used too much and real life was far too much involved in what was going on um, in wrestling at at the time. I am talking about Bash at the Beach, WCW, in the year 2000. This was the point when WCW was completely going off the rails. I urge all you two and anyone listening, go back and watch that pay-per-view. It is fascinating because it is an absolute S show. Um, it has it involves uh, Hulk Hogan cutting a promo um, on... Oh, geez, what's his name? New Yorker. Booker. Um, Vince Russo. Vince Russo, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Cutting, a, cutting a promo on Vince Russo and expl- and telling him and basically saying how much of BS this company is in because of stunts like this. Stunts being um, that Hulk Hogan was supposed to be retaining the title, so Jeff Jarrett fell down and laid down and Hulk Hogan pinned him and then Jeff Jarrett walked off. It's fascinating. Now... <laughs> 
the problem is because it's Vince Russo's involved, a lot of that could have been a work. But I don't think Hulk, that if you look at the way Hulk Hogan reacts, he ain't believe he he that is not a Hulk Hogan putting on a performance. That is Terry Beloa going, This is bull ass. <laughs> um, so that whole pay per view is just worth watching. There's about four or five different sections in there where the real people just come out. Vince is Russo, this the one where you, you see um, when Hulk wins or takes the belt? I think he wins the belt, doesn't he? Um, do you see him when he wa- when he walks back into like Gorilla? You see him launch the title. Yeah, is that that one? It's also and he, like he throws the title. Like it's just, also ridiculous. when you then have after the next match or the match after Vince Russo come out and and basically say you're never going to see Hulk Hogan on this on WCW again. Yes, and so they then have another WCW Championship match at the end, even <laughs> though it doesn't have Hulk Hogan in it, even though he won it earlier. <laughs> It's incredible. So yeah, in terms of just the truth and get the when 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 truth and wrestling don't work, but at the same time make compelling television, Bash of the Beach of the Year 2000. Go and watch that. That's brilliant. <laughs> I'll leave it with those two. Um, Adam, what have you got? Um, so one of the ones that I wrote down, but admittedly I don't think it's like a big thing, um, was Cena Rock the rivalry because there was a lot of kind of like. Yeah. We don't like each other. It's well placed that we don't like each other, and then eventually it kind of came back around to mutual respect. But there was a lot of jabs at each other at that point. Um, one that I vividly remember watching because I just remember thinking, "Oh my god, what's happened here?" Was um, JBL and the Boy Mania ECW one night stand in two thousand and five? Yeah, where I they didn't have know a... this happened. Like I don't, absolutely I totally blanked this out. So can you explain what happened? Because I've only heard about this. I, I'm not right. Watching. So, um, ECW One Night Stand, admittedly, um, for the extremists out there, I watched this on a Wednesday. Um, I was off school, and I'd pre-recorded it. I taped it on VHS Kids. Um, and I, I was watching it on a Wednesday because I had concussion um, because I walked into, like, a pole um, and was off school and decided to watch ECW One Night Stand post-concussion. Um, How hard did you walk into that hole? It was, I was walk, it was like a fence and I was walking underneath it and as I was going underneath, my friend <laughs> shouted at me. I turned to look at him and stood up at the same time. So Jeez. I kind of just like hit my head at the top of it like that. Oh um, into it, you turned into an ECW fan. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you I'm really looking forward to the show now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and basically, this is the show, you know, where you get the Raw and SmackDown invaders and they're all in the Hammerstein ballroom on one of the top rows. And, you know, Paul Heyman quite, as not, I suppose now infamously, I don't know, um, says things to JBL, like the only reason why you were champion for nine months is because Triple H didn't want to work Tuesdays and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually it leads to a brawl in the ring at the end of the show. And all of a sudden, at the back of the ring, you've got Blue Meanie on one corner and you've got JBL on the other, and you just see JBL laying into somebody. And you don't even know who it is because Blue Meanie at this point is facing the hard cam. And But for whatever reason, JBL just thought, I'm going to go after Blue Meanie. Now, I don't know. I've not really read into what happened with them prior to this. I don't know if they were like comments exchanged or anything like that. But right at the end of it, obviously, once all the Raw and SmackDown guys are out of the ring and ECW were celebrating... Blue Meanie, he's just got this massive gash in the side of his face and he's just bleeding everywhere. They then turned that into a storyline on SmackDown. 
So they got the BWO. So they got uh, Boy Meany, Stevie Richards, and um, Nova, Simon Dean at that time um, on SmackDown as the BWO. They had a no disqualification match against G- JBL, where I'm assuming he was allowed to do it. He whacked unprotected JBL over the head with a chair shot. And it was one of those really ugly chair shots. That's the only thing um, I've seen is that chair shot. Yeah. I think obviously I've, I probably watched it when it was happening, but it never really like registers in my brain. But that chair shot is like infamous for yeah. being super hard. Like, and for whatever reason, it just exists in that bubble. It exists in that kind of probably month long bubble, and then nothing else happened after that point. <laughs> it's bizarre. It's totally bizarre. Um, two more that I've got down one of which I'm going to come to last because I feel like it might be on Ty's list if not it's a massive oversight um, <laughs> it'll be on my list it's okay right. one that is <laughs> one that's slightly heavy and I'm going to try and do this as sensitively as possible um, is I think WWE's worst case of bad luck in terms of timing and this was Undertaker and Muhammad Hassan now yes. the, only, the whole thing about this is WWE still now, yeah, no, they don't. No, they don't do it anymore. Uh, they used to take SmackDown on a Tuesday. And at the end of a SmackDown show, because they were building to take a Mohammed Hassan, they had this storyline where Mohammed Hassan had basically called upon these guys in masks to come in and beat down The Undertaker. Now, unfortunately for them, and again, timing being everything, that aired the same day as the 7 7 London tube bombings in America and was then scheduled to air in the UK on the Friday night. It was pulled from the UK showing, and after they showed it unaired and unedited on the Thursday, UPN went ballistic and just said, we can't believe you've done this. So on the, on, there's two things to look at here. One of them is, obviously, WWE never, ever, ever, I think, intended to use such a tragic real-life event as that as a storyline fodder for The Undertaker and Mohammed Hassan because they'd filmed it two days prior. They didn't know it was going to happen. What should have happened is that they pull the segment from the show that goes out, and that didn't happen. So UPN went mental. They went absolutely crazy. Mohammed Hassan had to be taken off TV, wasn't seen again until the Great American Bash, at which point he and Undertaker had a number one contenders match for the WWE title. And at the end, and I remember this being reported in this way, the Undertaker killed Mohammed Hassan by giving him a, a tombstone, not a tombstone, a last ride powerbomb through the stage. And that was the last time that you saw Mohammed Hassan. And I think that is it's in a bit of a roundabout way because it's not necessarily a storyline being influenced by real life, but it's tragic real life events having a knock-on effect on storylines. And again, I don't think that they ever meant to replicate something like that but they should have been a bit more careful and conscientious on what happened. Because let's face it, there's a big time difference between when it happened here on the Thursday yeah. morning in the UK and when it went out in American on TV that Thursday night. So things could have been done there. But I just think that, again, was just a tragic situation. And for whatever reason, it had all the eyes of the world looking on it because it was deemed in poor taste. And, you know, it is at the end of the day. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't really know what else to say to that. It was just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's one of them where it's like, because he was meant to win the world title, wasn't he? Hassan, apparently. Yeah, yeah apparently mm. so. He was meant to be the youngest world title 
Aldi, yeah. yeah, and then it all fell apart and it wasn't. He they just never did anything for the guy. Yeah, they never, not, yeah. absolutely not. Um, I think his name is Matt Capone. They never kind of repackaged him or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. I am going yeah. to assume your yeah. last one involves three people. Yeah. Am I right? Okay. Yeah. So I'll leave that one because that's probably the most the most obvious. Um, I have got one more, which you should have mentioned earlier, which I didn't, and I don't know why. But the whole substance abuse angle and stuff like that that we were talking about. Um, does anyone remember Legion of Doom's whore struggling to be to like do things and was like falling off Turnbuckle because he couldn't do the double team finish yet, and then he because um, he was slurring his words and stuff because he was he had a real life alcohol problem. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I knew this was happening, and I thought this was all the way at, at the time, which still point it was. But he was struggling, and apparently, Droz was like the next member of Legion of Doom, um, and in in a crazy, insane twist that you'd never get away with. At one point, Hawk decided he wanted to commit suicide, so climbed to the top of the Titan Tron, and then when he fell off or was pushed off or whatever happened, it came out later that Droz was trying to kill him because he wanted to be in uh, LOD. Mm. Like, what the hell, man? Like, I I watched that and I thought, oh, this is a weird, like, storyline. Obviously, I was a kid, so I was like, this is really strange. But um, I didn't know, like, he was actually... I didn't know they were going down a storyline where he was actually struggling with alcohol. And I definitely didn't know that they did a suicide storyline. Like, I think that was like 98-ish, 97, 98. Like, it's a, it's a long time ago, but still that's a bold, a bold thing to go with and to go to that point. And to, if he's struggling to be like, so what we want to do is we want to tell people that you're trying to kill yourself. Like, Hawk must have signed off on that. But that, imagine that now. Imagine like the uproar. Why? I think. Didn't they do that? Didn't they do that with um, one of the referees? Tim White, I think. Did they? Yeah. Where they had a segment. They had a running thing where he was trying to kill himself. Yeah. Did they? They had because and they had the they had one of the one of the commentators just
In 2006, it was revealed that White had accidentally shot his foot in the ordeal, but when asked by Matthews about his New Year's resolutions, he proceeded to scarf down a box full of rat poison and subsequently fell over in his chair. The segment was leaked um, and included uncut footage of the producers as well as White goofing around using some mildly foul language. A week later, he tried to hang himself, but the rope broke. Um, WWE's (laughs) official website for weeks after began to upload new videos of Matthews trying to interview White, who was apparently trying to commit suicide each week. This became a regular segment on the website and was given the name The Lunchtime Suicide, uploaded every Thursday at lunchtime. On April the 6th, <laughs> oh my God. April the 6th WWE uploaded a video where White did not attempt to commit suicide. In fact, he invited Matthews to a party to the friendly tap. Matthews attended the party, but then ended up being shot by White. And that was the last episode of it. <laughs> wow. Why do we watch uh, this stuff? Jesus Christ. That's I did not. I am I am going to watch that. I'll be honest. I'm YouTube and that stuff later. Oh, um, 17 years ago. Jeez. My God. <laughs> right. So the obvious thing to end on, yeah. obviously, is the most famous love triangle in wrestling history, I would say. Um or the most real, probably not not including the mega powers exploding, like obviously. Um, but Edge, Lita, Matt Hardy, the crazy, insane love triangle that was that, that they worked into an angle and they ended up working with each other for months after all this had gone down. Yeah. This is a good, I think this is a good place to end because this is, a real life storyline that turned into something great, and the two of them were so well, the three of them were so professional with what they did and the way they did it, and it built Edge's whole character that he still uses to this day to a point with his rated R superstar and all that stuff. Um, what did you think, Matt, when this all came about? When this all came out, what was your thoughts? So, I've only watched this in hindsight. Right, okay. Um, so, um, however, what I will say is I I have no problem with it whatsoever. I ha- and I think, and, and, and my only, and, and, and to be fair, they, you know, they did well in terms of making sure that Matt was coming out the hero in the storyline as opposed to the villain. Because obviously, you know, you know, the perception was that he was the one that had been, uh, had been, uh, uh, had uh, a negative had been uh, sort of been hard done by yeah but um you know like with a lot of things with which in, in, in terms of wrestling you know the Lita's role in it's a bit a bit iffy because she eventually you know her being an incredible wrestler it just isn't part of it whatsoever and actually she's just very much just 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 the the woman in the situation um but and the only thing, the only thing I find difficult about it is thinking about the careers that both Edge and Matt Hardy had afterwards, because you know, Edge's career really went floor, skyrocketed. Matt's not really, and um, he feels a bit like, well, you know, it should have probably, arguably, been the other way around. Who, but who knows? What again? It's another example where they've taken something that really happened and, and made it into, made it into something, and. By the time, from from what from the interviews and from the things I've watched, it was done by both the wrestlers' requests. You know, mm-hmm. Edge and Matt both were like, "Well, look, this is not ideal. 
let's make something out of it. Let's make, let's do something positive out of it. And I think that's, I'm fine with that. And I'm down with that. And obviously it worked, you know, there were, you know, it is like you say, you know, when you said there's just, you know, when you were, the fact that you two can just, were able to mega mind and figure out that, you know, this is the big one to talk about. It is the big one to talk about because I would argue barring Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, it's the biggest time when real life has crashed into WWE and they've made a storyline out of it. So yeah, no, I'm fine with it. All down mm-hmm. with it. Adam, what are your thoughts on um, the whole thing? I was I was so into this when it happened because I, w- I remember watching it as it was going on kind of thing. So um, I remember finding out it was Matt Hardy and Rhino that were released on the same day in like April 2005. And Rhino's was to do with um, some inappropriate behaviour in a hotel room during Mania 21 weekend. And Hardy was because he'd found out about Edge and Lita and was posting it on the internet. And WWE didn't like that. So basically they got rid. Um, But then you then got the kind of we want Matt chance. There was the big, all the things leading up to it. They even did that WWE thing that they do. um, Similar to Who's Your Daddy Montreal? Where they um, played Matt Hardy's music at the Edge and Lita wedding that they had on Raw, even though at that point he'd not been rehired or anything like that. And he was yeah. doing all of his indie stuff. And to be fair to him, as a bit of a pioneer of internet um, and using social media, he'd tweeted loads of cryptic stuff. I think it might have been on Facebook, surely at that point. No, not Facebook, uh, MySpace. Yeah, I was going to um, say MySpace, yeah. Yeah, where it was like, I am the angelic Diablo. Um, and that I'm going to kind of move on from these scars and things like that. And the one bit that really kind of piqued my interest in this is that Edge and Lita on a Raw in July or five were walking to the ring ready for Edge's match. And then all of a sudden they got ambushed by someone that you couldn't really see. The yeah. camera dropped down and you just saw Matt Hardy beating the living daylights out of Edge. And I probably being worked at that point with everybody else was going, oh, he broke into backstage area of Raw and was beating Edge up. And, yeah. Oh, look, they've done this. And then it then went into like him invading the arena and all that kind of stuff. And then they went to, you know, the probably like who has property of Lita match. Because weirdly, yeah. and this is the one thing that it's one of those times with wrestling where it's weirdly mirrored in the 2004, there was the whole thing of like Kane and Lita and Matt Hardy and the love triangle and all that kind of stuff, which obviously all was for a work. And then they had a match at SummerSlam 04 where it was till death do us part. Whoever wins gets to marry Lita. And then it was Kane and Lita for ages. And then all of a sudden at the end of the Gold Rush tournament in 05, it ended up being Edge and Lita because of what actually happened. Yes. Um, yeah. So it was, it was really strange, but you know, I was, really on board with this and they did a really excellent thing i think one of the best things that came out of this was lita being on bite this if you remember bite yes, this i was just about to mention that and, and um, um, yeah she went like nuts on yeah on a math and was like he phoned in and it was that was like super real that's when yeah. i was at the point when i was like shit this is like this is this isn't meant to be happening like was i was so- obviously getting worked yeah like, because 
she's like she sat there and Matt rings in and they just they have an argument and they kind of they blur the line of going into personal stuff. Yeah. Because she starts saying it's like, no, you do this, or you know, oh, I yeah. can't do this because you're like this. And then it's just thrown into my head that like Bite This was such a weird program in that they <laughs> yeah. try and talk like really serious stuff, but then still mar it by kayfabe that yes. a couple years later when Matt Hardy started dating Ashley Massaro, they announced that they were together on Bite This. <laughs> were like Todd Grisham was interviewing <laughs> yeah. Ashley Massaro and they were like, oh, you've got a new boyfriend, haven't you? Do you want to tell us who your new boyfriend is? And she went, oh yeah, it's Matt Hardy. And then Matt Hardy walks out on to Bite This. Like it's an actual <laughs> thing. They never use it on TV, but for yeah. whatever reason, they thought, oh yeah, we'll do this. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I think you've like kind of covered what I was going to say about the whole <laughs> bike this thing. Um, I was thoroughly loving this, and I will go on record to say that if one of my best mates had a missus who looked like Lita and she had a thing for me, I would totally take Lita off her, off his hands, um, no doubt, absolutely no doubt. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Doesn't matter how close we are. If she looked like Lisa and she had a thing for me, I'm in. Good to for you, mate. Sorry, dude. Bye. Oh, <laughs> but obviously, I'm, I'm a nearly married man, so I wouldn't do that these days. But back then, I would have without it out. But yeah, I think that's the one of them situations where um, the idea of a real-life situation being turned into a storyline can make both guys flourish in the way that they wouldn't have done without mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Granted, I understand what you're saying, Matt, where you say um, Matt's career didn't obviously go to the point where Ed just did, but he still got a lot out of it. And obviously, yeah, they sure. both moved on, and neither and of them not, were. And, either, not everyone, so. and not everyone can have the rise that Edge had, you know what I mean? But yeah. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, right, I think that's it. I think we've uh, we've covered pretty much everything. I think that was a super interesting episode. Um. It was more interesting than I was expecting, I'll be honest. Not that I wasn't expecting to be interesting, but we got quite, like, as you say, we got quite deep and quite, like, looking at moral compasses and what's right and what's wrong and all that stuff. So, yeah. We managed, to get, Adam, we managed to get Adam to steer away from death conversations a little bit towards the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just about. Um, right, just before we go, I'm going to throw it round the table to see if anybody's got anything they want to promote or push or mention. This is their little moment to say all that. Adam? Uh, yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter, Farron on Film, um, which is F-A-R-R-A-N-D on Film. Um, big thing for me to plug, I suppose, is that I've not shared this on my social media yet, but I will do probably by the time this episode goes out. Um, not last year, the year before, 2019, I did the 10,000 steps a day for cancer research, um, and it did me a world of good. Um, I felt more active than I ever did. I lost a bit of weight, even to the point where one of the students went, sir, look how skinny you look. I've not been skinny since I was 10, but they were being flattering. Um, and obviously with lockdown, my T-shirts have mysteriously began to shrunk, uh, shrink. So um, I'm, I'm doing it again. Um, so what I'm doing is I'm doing 10,000 steps a day, every day throughout March, which is going to be difficult, especially if I'm teaching from home, which means that I'm essentially going to have to go on a really long walk every day. Um, but last time I managed to raise £250 what I want to do this year is double it so I want to raise £500 um, and just off you know, the fact that I've got 
260 Facebook friends or something and 497 Twitter followers, some of which probably don't exist. I'm fairly certain if everyone donates a pound, I'll be able to do that. Um, so that's my big thing that I'm doing. Yeah. And if you want to donate, f- feel free and donate. Give us a quid. Why not? Sweet. Matt? Uh, yeah. Don't bother my Twitter or Insta. Go follow Adam and then donate a quid towards his, uh, towards his walking thing. There you don't, go. Don't bother me. Let's do that instead. That's, that sounds more fun. <laughs> don't bother me. Um, I, of course, am, um, I am Tybo. Uh, talks on Twitter. Don't, yeah, again, don't bother with that guy. Um, follow SLTD Wrestling wherever you get your SLTD Wrestling stuff. Um, we are going to put up Adam's like is it like a go like a GoFundMe situation? Is it looks work? like a GoFundMe thing. Yeah, it's all yeah. through the cancer research page. So they've Sweet. they've okay. given me a fundraising page. Well, stuff, we'll put so. links through there and um, through the Twitter and all that stuff and see if uh, we can raise a bit of money. Just have to sound like a good a good show. Um, yeah, as always, wherever you wherever you are on social media, throw in SLTD Wrestling, and I'm sure we'll pop up somewhere. Um, once again, thanks for listening. As always, stay safe, stay entertained, and we will see you next time.